0: Tip told Dot com, The podcast about pop culture, black history, and spirituality. Yeah. It's about to be a great vibe. Dr. Tip. going take it away. Tip told you. Thank you for joining me for another edition of Tell Them Tip Told You. Uh, This is podcast number 12. Yay! Um, I have some things I want to talk to you about. Um, So here's the list of things I want to go through today. I want to talk to you about... (coughs) Excuse me. It's homecoming season. Um, I want to talk to you about developing more discipline in your love life. Um, I want to talk about... um, living in your purpose and what that specifically means for me in light of some foolishness waka flocka said this week and i want to give you some more homework um so let's just jump right in the first thing i want to do is say happy homecoming to all the hbcus that have homecoming um this weekend i had plans to go to the hill the highest of seven hills in tallahassee florida Florida A&M University to spend time in our family reunion, but unfortunately things didn't work out the way I wanted them to. Um, but happy homecoming Rattlers. I'm here in Albany. Um, so happy homecoming to the Golden Rams. Uh, I think it's also A&T's homecoming this week. Fort Valley has it. I mean, for some reason, the HBCUs tend to always have them the same one or two weekends. That's awful because I would love to do a HBCU homecoming tour one year. Just Let's just charter a bus and let's ride out and have fun with our HBCUs. There's a meme going around right now that I think is hilarious that said, if you don't think an HBCU, is good enough to get a degree from, don't come to our homecomings. Uh, I would agree with that unless you're gonna spend money and don- donate to the HBCU, then hey, come on, welcome home. So just happy homecoming. Again, I try to take every chance I get to big up our institutions. These institutions have held the community down for as long as they have existed, you know, some of them hundreds of years old, um, most of them hundreds of years old. And we, we have to really invest in these institutions. If we can't see the handwriting on the wall that we have to have community controlled community based institutions. Now, you know, you might need to pay more attention. Um, and I just want to remind us that HBCUs create black excellence. Like don't buy into that hype. That is foolishness. I'm frustrated right now because, um, one of the things that states are doing that, um, and it started under Obama's watch, so you know I don't think he's the savior that a lot of us think he is. You can fight me on that later, but a lot of his decisions had um, negative uh, consequences and implications for our institutions. Um, but one of the things that is happening is is as states across the board are decreasing funding to higher ed period, across the board, they're decreasing um, funding to higher ed institutions, our schools take a particular hit because we already weren't getting what we were supposed to get from federal and state governments. Um, And so we rely a lot on tuition dollars. And smaller HBCUs, like the one where I'm I'm presently located, we don't necessarily have the money to recruit internationally. Now, a lot of these institutions, if you're paying attention in in administration at an HBCU that can afford this, you have to go after the international student because they pay cash tuition right Um, not only that's one reason the other reason should be that we're trying to connect the diaspora um, and create our African world that's a whole nother side note but in terms of the feasibility of maintaining these institutions financially we have to go after the international students now because I'm somewhere where that's not even on the radar we're driven almost fully by tuition dollars which means um, and then we recently merged. They don't like that word. They like consolidation. It's bullshity. Uh, I would say we were recently co-opted by a um, a two-year public access um, white school, and so we're going through some culture changes. Um, things like the administrative changes, a lot of stuff is going on. But one of the things it did was to allow us to accept students who don't meet minimum university requirements. And so you've got faculty who are used to working with one kind of student who are now working with other kinds of students. And there's a lot of um, tension. It's a lot of, um, you know, we just have to get used to it. Uh, it's a transitional moment. I think it can be a powerful moment because when we look historically, what HBCUs did do was to bring in first generationers, right? And transform their lives through excellent education. I, I think we cannot, I, I know that we cannot afford to lose the the excellence piece. And so homecoming is an important part of students being able to see professional black folk in good jobs, uh, owning good businesses, um politically involved politically engaged so that they have a model for what they can do once they come out of these institutions so homecoming is a fun time yeah but i also think it's part of the educational it's an educative process for the students who are here at our institutions so have fun y'all have fun that's the other thing you know i keep talking about we gotta have room for joy it's so much going on politically with our and culturally <clears throat> excuse me, with our folks that you got to find time to have fun. So, you know, dance till you switch it. Yeah, have fun, y'all. All right, so happy homecoming. Um, the other thing I want to talk to you about <clears throat> is, you know, part of the homework I gave you Um, a couple of weeks ago. And last week was to go through, well, actually last week was to go through your old journals. So I've been doing that homework myself. And between that and a conversation I had with a sister yesterday, it brought me to this place where I want to talk a little bit about um, being disciplined in love. Now, I'm not even talking about um, those of you who are in relationships, unless the relationship is dysfunctional, then I am talking to you. But if you're in a happy relationship, you can just skip this part. Uh, unless you want to listen and maybe give some advice to somebody else one day, or you want to email me at Dr. Tip at com and fight with me on this issue. But I'm just going to tell you what my truth is that I came to over the course of reading, um, and identifying my patterns and in this conversation with sister. So when I was talking to the sister, um, last night, Egoon was on me, right? My ancestors were like, "Listen to yourself. These are lessons for you, right?" So, um, so here's what I came away with. I I know you guys get tired of me saying this, but it's important to the story today. Um, I am single. I'm not happily single, right? I um I have been raised to desire a monogamous, long term commitment. Right. That's kinda how my family socialized me. I come from a family where marriages last. Um, my parents have been married. It's coming up on let me see, I'm 43 Forty seven years. Is that right? Forty six or forty seven years. So, you know, that's kind of what I I've been socialized and raised to desire. And I think because of that, I um I move from I'm a serial monogamist. I move from relationship from to relationship, hoping that, hoping that that relationship will be the one that carries me into forever. Right. And because of that, I think I move too quickly from relationship to relationship. Now I'm not saying I cheat anymore. (laughs) Did you catch that? Anyway, I'm not saying that I cheat, but I do tend to, um, as soon as one relationship ends, I'm looking for the next thing. And, um, spirit told me last night that that's not good. Like some of you may already know that, um, I think I knew it mentally. I wasn't acting like I knew it. So when you leave one relationship, if you're not careful, and this is y'all, I had this epiphany on the road, you know, you have to, I'm skipping ahead. Y'all know how I, I skip. Okay. So you have to, this is part of the homework I'm going to give you tonight, but I, I'll give you part of it. Now you have to figure out as you are reflecting on your patterns and you're looking to develop your strategies, you have to figure out what is the best thinking space for you. Now, I used to think that water was the best thinking space for me because I had this wonderful soaking tub in my um, house in Atlanta. But I don't have that anymore. So it's mostly showers, the, the tubs and this. Uh, I'm not even going there, but. Um, I have found that my new wonderful thinking space is the open road. I love road trips. And um, last week I was able to go on two or three by myself alone. Um, Well, me and Mr. Smith and Wesson, because I'm in the the deep South. I don't travel alone. (laughs) Um, But when I'm on the open road, you know, and the AC is kicking and I've got good music playing, then I do my best thinking. And On the road trips last week, what I realized is I have not allowed myself to love anyone since about, oh, when did Foley and I broke up? Like in 2010? So since 2010, if I've dated you between 2010 and now, I'm sorry. I don't think I ever allowed myself to, I I don't think my heart was open. Like, I love people because I love people, you know, but I don't know that I ever gave myself to fall a chance to fall in love with anyone since about 2010, because there was such hurt and disappointment around that relationship. I established walls that I didn't even realize existed. So because I was moving into relationship into relationship again, you know, it's not a whole lot of time between my relationships. Um. I think because that has happened I forgot that the wall was even there because for me I'm 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 in a, a committed relationship with somebody obviously I'm trying to love them but when on the road I realized that that's not true like what I felt in 2008 2009 for this person I've not allowed myself to feel that for anybody else and it's not because he was particularly um, you know wonderful the relationship was good but it was because I was afraid of being hurt. And I think if I had given myself more time in between commitments, then I might have seen that sooner. Like right now I'm between commitments and I'm purposely trying to um, stay there. And it's hard because it's this is a scary place for me. Being single is scary to me. And so I'm. I said earlier I'm not... Um, purposely single. Maybe I am purposely single right now. I'm dating um, because I don't want my practice to be (laughs) gone. And plus a sister got needs, you know, so I'm dating, but I don't think um, I'm ready for a committed relationship because that road trip really helped me see that there is a lot of healing that still has to happen. And listen, y'all, I'm talking about seven or eight years ago. So I think some of us are in that boat that we carry. That's how we end up carrying baggage from relationship to relationship. And if you, when you start looking at your patterns, you see that you are living the same relationship over and over and over. So the name of the person you're with may change, shit, even the gender may change, but the pattern isn't. And that's because you've not allowed yourself to heal from the hurt of that one thing eight or nine years ago, right? So I just wanted to t- share that epiphany with you. Again, that's my testimony. That's my story. That's the lesson I have to work with. That's the strat. The, I have to come up with a strategy to deal with that. Um, but reading over those old journals really helped me come to that and realize that my heart, like how I talked about him um, and how I felt. Like I really... Um, I will never forget one day in particular, I think this was the day I fell in love with him. There was one day in particular, he had to go to work or something. And we had gotten up that morning, we had had breakfast, um, and, and you know, all that kind of fun stuff. But then we went out on the back porch to get some air. And I remember he was leaning against one of the poles, of the porch, one of the columns. And he was holding me like I was standing in front of him. And we were just standing there. And it was a beautiful day. You know, the birds were singing. It was like either moving into fall. I think it was moving into fall. So it wasn't that hot. It was bright and sunny, not a cloud in the sky and the breeze was blowing. And it was just like, I remember thinking he is part of me. Like, this is what I, this is peace. Like, I want to grow with this person. And if I'm honest with myself, I have not allowed myself to feel that. Now, I don't think it's because I can't, but I just think my heart wasn't ready. And my heart now, um, I think on that drive, it has started to open up because I'm having different kinds of emotions. Um, And right now, my emphasis is not on. Finding the next relationship. My emphasis now is on being the best me so that when spirit, because I'm not looking anymore. Like the Bible says, he who finds a wife. It don't say the wife that finds a husband. (laughs) So um, as I'm waiting for the person spirit will bring to me, um, my job is just to be my best self so that when he comes, I'm ready. Right? I'm ready. So, you know, I just wanted to share that word with you in case it touches somebody else's um, heart. Just allow yourself to heal in between and and, and center yourself in the healing process. You know, when I was doing the fake healing, when I thought I was healing, it was always contemplations, journal entries, prayers about that person. Like, you know, uh, bring him back to me or... You know, why did he do this to me? Like, that's where my mind was. My mind was not on Tiffany figuring out the behaviors that led to, you know, certain things. It wasn't about Tiffany releasing that stuff so Tiffany could heal. It was always me looking at either the the thing that had just left or waiting for the thing to come and not Tiffany in the moment dealing with Tiffany's shit. So, you know, just do that. Just do that. So, I want to move ahead off of that. So, I've done homecoming, I've done the love discipline. Okay, here, did y'all see the um, interview? It was on Sway's show, Um, Waka Flocka talking about he's not African American, he ain't black. Now, in the video, now, if you haven't seen it, I'm going to post it on Tell Him Told You's Facebook page today. So make sure if you haven't seen it, go watch it and be sad with me. Because a couple of things, you know, at first it's slightly comical because he's making so many historical errors that it's slightly comical. But then I got sad for the brother because he says in the interview, I'm not educated. I'm confused, but I know I ain't black. Really? Because listen, y'all. I'm not going to go there yet, but I think um, the evidence this is evidence of what the U.S. public schooling system does to our children because it presents blackness as abnormal, as a non-contributing factor to U.S. culture and history. Then our students sometimes even when they think they're being conscious and quote unquote woke, they are actually living the white supremacist myth that blackness is something to divorce oneself from, right? And I think that's what Flocker is doing. He may think that he's being conscious and quote, unquote, woke. But what he's really doing is evidencing that, no, dude, you still want to distance yourself from blackness because you believe the worst about blackness, right? And the public school system does that because it doesn't teach you much about the many contributions Africans in particular have made to this world. That's a problem. And let me say this while I'm talking about that. These people, a lot of people who, because of the, the, the current political climate, are searching for ways to connect to, to elements of blackness. You Okay, let me, you know, my mind jumps. You remember the scene in Spike Lee's X, the movie, Malcolm X movie? Um, there's a scene where Elijah Muhammad is speaking to Malcolm X and he puts ink in water and he says, if the people are thirsty enough, they'll drink this. But if you give them the alternative, they'll choose what's clean and pure. Our people right now are so starved for information about their historical and cultural legacies that they believe stuff like hidden colors, that they're listening to people like Umar Johnson, Right. That they're believing YouTube videos about what blackness is, what Africanness is, who we are, etc., and that's like the water with the ink in it, right? It's easily digested because you don't know that there are alternatives. It's easy to watch a 30-minute. It's easier to watch a 30-45 minute YouTube video than it is to pick up a Van Certoem text. It's definitely easier than reading Sheikh Antejoop or Franz Fanon. (laughs) Right. Um, And so the people are drinking this water. They're eating it up like the Hidden Colors franchise. um, It it like swept across pop culture because people were so hungry. And that's part of where Waka is getting some of this foolishness from. It's um, people were so hungry for information about us that they buy into these urban legends and urban myths about blackness instead of doing the work. Now, here is. Um, where it falls for me as a black scholar, as a black academician, it evidences to me that I'm not doing my own work because what I have to do is to find ways to take Fanon and Geop and Van Sertema and um, Chancellor Williams and Asa Hilliard and Naeem Akbar and, um, you know, Agundiran. We we have to take these things and make them digestible for lay people who aren't going to sit and read complex, complicated theory. Right. Um, I think and I'm not saying that they won't ever read it, but I think we have to give them um, bite sized pieces so that they can one day be open. And I think we have to teach them what research is. So in the interview, again, make sure you watch it yourself so you're not just relying on what I'm telling you. Um, In the interview, Waka Flocka is conflating several different issues, right? Columbus's voyage with the beginning of transatlantic slave trade. That's not the beginning. Um, Transatlantic slave trade. He's talking about it as if it just happened in the U.S. When only, um, you know, I think it was less than 7% of Africans brought into the West ended up in the United States in the first place. Um, So... I'm so convicted that I can't even get a single thought out. Let me me try to back up. If people are this hungry, then the historians among us who see ourselves as scholar activists have to be able to chunk academic sources and put it in bite-sized digestible media components to compete with things like Hidden Colors. And I truly believe, just like the scene in the Malcolm X movie, if we present the clean history against this this urban legend, then people can decipher, can discern for themselves what the truth is. But we have to be out there competing with them. And it's not too many of us who are um, trained in historical methodology, who are trained in diaspora theory, who are trained in black studies, who are creating these YouTube videos and channels It's usually street trained people. And there's nothing, and I'm not saying anything's wrong with being educated outside of school. My, my own research area is out of school literacies. So I'm not saying anything is wrong with that, but what I'm saying is we have to make sure that that is as rigorous as what it is we were trained to do. And we have to be able to to feed the information to the people who don't necessarily speak the language of the, the scholars we're reading. So I remember when I was working on my own dissertation, um, my chair said to me, Tiffany, you're you're using dollar words. You need to pull out your five dollar words, your ten dollar words, your twenty dollar words and stop using these one dollar, five dollar words. Well, I understood what she was saying. It's because my particular audience then were uh, was at an R1 and they were expecting my dissertation to be written in this high theory language that lay people really don't speak and definitely ain't reading. Um, but I was trying to try to, to reach the people who I say I'm working for. And so I had to compromise myself in order to get the degree. And I did pull out the 10, $15 words. Now I think I compromised a bit in the dissertation. I don't think it's like, I only throw in the 10, $15 words every other you know page or so just to get the, to get the degree. Um, but I think my job now is to create texts that are easily accessible to lay people who don't necessarily have the theoretical language. Now I can scaffold to the theoretical language within the work, which is what I tried to do in the dissertation. Um, and I think we have to, as black scholars, that is our work. Like we can't, we can't just do our work in the ivory tower. If your shit never comes out to the people then why are you in the ivory tower in the first place? Like what What's the purpose? I remember sitting at a table. I was taking, um, history of, I can't remember if it was history of African American ed or history of American education with his brother who was, um, he was teaching at Emory that semester, but he was a Morehouse prof. And we around the table, you know, the the crew that I came through Emory with, I was very blessed. Our cohort, was very, uh, all of us were scholarship, scholar activists. So, um, probably more like activist scholars, because I think our activism cent- is centered in our identity. Um, but he asked us, well, if y'all are so militant, why are you not in the street burning tires, tires and flipping cars? And our response to him was collectively, you know, that is what we're doing. When we're sitting at this table, we're disrupting right? Our work is to disrupt the narrative. And I think that, yes, we have a place in the ivory tower to disrupt the narrative, but at the same time, we got to make sure our narrative gets out to the people we say we represent and we work for. Um, So I, I said all that to say, when I see that video, I'm saddened because it is evidence that people are searching for their cultural and historical identity as black folk. And we, 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 excuse me, as scholars, haven't done the work to get it to them. Like, I know we're out here producing text. Ta-Nehisi Coates writes phenomenally, but I, I know my own students can't access that text, right? So as a professor, how can I take Ta-Nehisi Coates, for example, and and translate it for them, right? And be careful because, you know, we know that translators to treason. So I have to be careful that I'm I'm keeping the integrity of the message. But the message also has to be written in such a way that that the kids can understand it, that someone like Waka Flocka can understand. And and in that video he said, you know, he talks about books. I read, I read, I read. And then he turns around and said, It's on my laptop. <laughs> like, dude, probably not. You probably got some YouTube videos saved. You got your hidden colors DVDs saved on your hard drive. Maybe something like that. But I I think we have to, um, and I'm giving a lot of flack to hidden colors, but even Henry Louis Gates, I mean, those of us who are trained in African diaspora studies and black studies, we don't value Gates a whole lot in terms of rigor. And he's more digestible than we are sometimes. So I think we just have to do a job. I'm, I'm speaking probably particularly to black scholars right now, but I think, um, This translates in another kind of way. Each of us has a particular role to play in the liberation of our people. Right? And all of us, uh, um, most of us are blessed enough that we have jobs that have exposed us to certain things, certain ideas, certain principles that can be used for the benefit of our community, but it has to be translated. And I think more of us have to be in that translation work. More of us have to funnel and filter information from the power structures down to the people who need to be empowered, right? I'm not saying we empower them. They empower themselves, but we got to be the conduit through which the information comes. Um, And so that's, that's, That's part of the the liberatory work I see myself as doing is to help take some of this theory, these these ideas, these historical facts um, and and filter them down in such a way that the people can access it. So um, to that end, the first week in November on a Saturday, I haven't decided the time I'm leaning towards like one o'clock to three o'clock. I'm going to do I'm going to start once a month free black studies classes um, the Sankofa sessions are coming back in that form. They'll be face to face. And maybe I'll have the, the technology to Skype in or Google chat in some other folk that may want to, to attend. Um, but I think more of us have to be deliberate in being conduits of information to our people. And I, that video, that interview with Waka Flocka to me is evidence that we are not doing the, same, the right kind of work. Like, it's not reaching the people. He's got a huge platform. So imagine if he could speak the truth to power that, yes, I'm African, right? I'm black. I'm African. And there's no, no there's no reason for me. And then he's bigging up Cherokees. Let me tell you, the five civilized tribes that we learn about in school, the reason they were considered civilized by white folk is because they owned enslaved people. So bragging about her- having Cherokee heritage, uh, right? Um, but again, we gotta be the ones that filter that, and that information and I'm, I'm putting on the, all of this on Flocka, but I own 45 y'all. He's talking about, he spoke to the president of the Virgin Islands. Um, asshole, that's you. Like the basic <laughs> geopolitical understanding that we would expect of a politician is lacking in 45. Who's supposed to be the quote unquote leader of the free world. I know what they call the president of the United States. Um, but he, he himself is evidencing that the U.S. public school system is failing people. Like, it's not even giving you the right kind of uh, geopolitical awareness so that when you see him talking about abandoning Puerto Rico, he's talking about abandoning U.S. citizens, right? If you're not, if you're one of these people who are mad at the NFL players for kneeling because you have this patriotism, and you're not mad that your 45 is turning his back on U.S. citizens, you're a hypocrite at best. At best, you're a hypocrite. But again, that's that's centering something else. I want to center us. I want us to be living in our purpose. God put each of us here for a particular purpose. And part of that is to share information. Don't get in the ivory tower. Don't get in the C-suite. Don't get, you know, Fortune 500. Don't get there and then not want to share that information with your people. Like don't allow yourself to be to be pimped out like that. um I don't care if you got a picture with the Governor if you ain't doing no work in the state to free your people like that's you allowed yourself to be a photo op. you allowed yourself to be pimped out like that. That's some foolishness that's some foolishness. living your purpose, living your purpose um so I'm off that. Let's talk about our ramping up for twenty eighteen. So, so far, we have talked about making sure we're a good steward of the the gifts we've already and the blessings we've already received. We want to be grateful for things. We're rereading our journals to identify patterns. Now, I want you to start visualizing your ideal life, right? So every morning, well, if you don't have time in the morning, well, let's do it at night. And that way, oh, yeah, because then it'll feed your subconscious mind. So let's do it at night. So right before you fall asleep, you know, do, do your other nighttime rituals. Journal, um, if you do a little bedtime yoga, if, you know, you have some, uh, some warm golden milk. That's my new thing. I'm trying to treat some inflammation. So I'm having my warm golden milk, all this kind of stuff, right? Um, right before you fall asleep, what I want you to do is to take some deep breaths, feel yourself relax. And then I want you to imagine that you're falling asleep in your ideal life. What does your bedroom look like? Is someone beside you? What do they look like? What does your house look like? What did you do at work today? Um, What are you going to do tomorrow in your ideal life? Imagine these things and start really visualizing them. Right? We're going to do something with the visualization later. But right now, I want you to just spend time imagining things. You know, when we were chilled, I, I argue that one of the reasons we were so happy as children is because we allowed ourselves to daydream. And now we're on this, you know, grind or die thing. There's so many memes out here. You know, you should be up at 4 o'clock in the morning if you're trying to live your best life. You know, you gotta hustle. Grind. You know, you gotta... Yeah, all of that is true, but if you're not taking care of yourself, then, you know, so what? You die a millionaire and you die at 40 because you didn't get rest. <laughs> So that's not funny, but you know what I mean? That you got to you gotta feel, you have to have time to heal. Um, so I want you to spend time just imagining your best life and let it be relaxing. Let it be joyful. Just your biggest dreams. What do they look like? What do they smell like? What do they feel like? What does your favorite food taste like? Are you eating in five-star uh, restaurants regularly? Right. right. Where are you going on vacation? If money wasn't an object, what kind of life would you be living? I want you to start visualizing these things actively at least two or three times a week. And then I want you to start taking notes of the things that keep showing up in these visualizations. So if every time you visualize you're in a certain kind of house, I want you to describe the house in writing. And I don't want you to put this in your regular journal. I want you to get, get you the 50 cents cheap composition book for what we're going to do because what we're going, I'm not going to give you the, what we're going to do. I'll tell you that next week, but just start this work. All right. Um, oh, before I go, did y'all. OK, so white women wanted uh, all women to boycott Twitter yesterday. Yesterday was Friday, 13th, October 13th. Um, and women of color. ah, oh, You talking about somebody because, you know, I'm petty. I told you all I'm petty. I found such joy that women of color chose not to boycott Twitter, but instead to uh, blow up the hashtag WOC affirmation. So women of color affirmation. Oh my goodness. It was like a love fest. Women of color just sistering it out. And it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Um, so visit the hashtag. If you didn't see it yesterday, visit visit the hashtag. And, you know, follow some new people that you might not have known about. And let's affirm one another. It's such a beautiful thing. And during that, I was already full because of the hashtag. And then on the hashtag, I found out that... Um, Anna Julia Cooper's papers are digitized now? Oh, through Howard. I am so crunk about that. Let me, um, I'm trying to hurry up and find it so I can let you go. Um, the I want, I want to pull the sister's name who was responsible for it. But Anna Julia Cooper wrote her behind off and she was a lover of our people. Um, she did the work that, that so many of us are still trying to do. She, oh my gosh, just, you know, I can't put, oh, here, wait. My internet is running, now because I'm trying to get something for you fast, my internet wants to slow down. Let's see. Hold on. Keep listening. Let me find something to talk about while I look for it. So, um... let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see. Alright, so the sister's name is shirley moody turner so thank you prof turner for making sure that we have access to Anna julia cooper's collection through the howard university research digital howard at howard university is how you get there y'all go read some sister cooper and let's let's do our work let's live in our purpose let's make sure the information is flowing to all kinds of people let's find joy happy homecoming I've enjoyed speaking with you. I'm going to try to make this parade. All right, y'all have fun today. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Tell them who told you. Love you. Bye.